when you commit to specializing, right, you want to start getting some traction, which likely will have most people working harder than they've ever worked before in their life because they're kind of like maintaining, we'll call it legacy clients and operations while selling the new future of their business. And then you reach this point where you actually do have to let go of the old and like commit to starting to say no to all of those old types of clients, which is the hardest thing because you literally are unlearning. Is your current success putting a lot of demands on you? If you're good at what you do, and you are, then everyone wants you, but that's no way to scale. If you're delivering spectacular results, you should be commanding higher fees, working with only the best clients. Welcome to the Hands Off CEO Podcast, where world-class agency owners and consultants learn how to fully monetize their expertise and scale profits by doing less. Here's your host, Mandy Ellison. Welcome to the Hands Off CEO Podcast. Today, I have on the show, Greg Hickman, and Greg is the founder and CEO of Alt Agency, um, their top training and consulting company for digital agencies looking to grow and scale by packaging their expertise, installing systems for growth and leveraging automation to save time and divorce their time from the income. Greg and I have been friends for a number of years and they, they really focus a lot on productizing agency and him, him and I, we have, we see a lot of things very similarly and we both have different approaches to scaling agencies. And I think this is going to be a really fun and interesting <laughs> podcast. I have so much respect for Greg. So really nice to have you on the show, Greg. Thanks for being here. Yeah. It's such a pleasure to be here. I look forward to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So how did you get into all agency? I have never asked you that question. I'm curious now. Oh, yeah. That's a good question, actually. So I was behind the scenes of a lot of entrepreneurs selling courses, books. We were kind of like the Infusionsoft team. So we were behind the scenes of a lot of big names, building out sales funnels, webinar funnels, automation on client onboarding. And it just kind of had us get behind the scenes on like, the entire client journey. And I didn't really resonate at the time with people that were selling courses because I didn't sell courses. And just through talking about what we were doing as it was happening, like how I was growing my business, we started getting more interest from more service-based businesses. Or like, how were you able to grow to whatever MRR? And we did a cohort of clients to help service providers build out like an automated sales pipeline. Like how do they capture leads? How do they nurture them, etc. And when we jumped in, the first question was like, well, what do you guys actually sell? Like what's your package? And everyone looked at me super confused because their package was custom for every single client. And it dawned on me that's why none of them have ever had systems <laughs> around lead gen or sales. And so we had to start helping them kind of first figure out what their expertise was and package it up into one offer. And just by doing that enough times, that sort of took the forefront, like became the core product. The, the, the featured kind of benefit of working with us is we were working with service providers that were stuck because they were doing custom work. And we helped them really start to productize the packages and skills and, and services that they were offering so they could have you know, a repeatable sales process, so they could have a repeatable onboarding process and start hiring to remove themselves from each of those areas. So it was kind of accidental, really. It was just like, 
we wanted to just keep doing automation and funnels and workflows for people that did stuff that I did, but they were doing custom work everywhere. Mm, got it. So why productize? Like other than what you mentioned there too, like on the service side of things, why would you productize? Yeah. So I could already feel the tension. No, no, no. Just say it if you want to do it. It's fine. Because you and I, here's, see, see, Greg's having some tension here. Because here's the thing is that him and I both, we're, we're all on like really high level service products that, that are, they're scaling on the multi, like for companies that have very technical services on the multi-million dollar level. And I know that on yeah. a lot of the clients that you guys are working with are under a million and yep. that, like this is a really good model for them. And there's nothing wrong with having different approaches. These are two approaches that are both valid. So just go ahead yeah, and yeah. share it, Greg. <laughs> yeah. So, well, and I, I think I want to define productized because I do think a lot of people define it differently and whether it's right or wrong. When I think of productized, like I think of a process that's packaged into a repeatable service. So I think of a, you know, a fixed, you're solving a, a fixed problem with a fixed solution that has a fixed, you know, turnaround time, fixed price. It's all predefined and you're going to find more people that have that problem so you can follow your process over and over and over again. So right. like it should be one outcome. Not that there can't be customization. It just can't every client can't have something from scratch. Right. And so like when I think of there was a I can't remember which book this was, but they, they said that service is uh, work without a process. A productized service is work with a process. And then a product is process without work. And I think that that's mm. kind of like an interesting evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I sometimes when I say productize, people, for whatever reason, sometimes just assume that I mean like you have to offer group coaching. And that's like not the case. Like, most productized services are, at least in their infancy, still a one-on-one -on -one customer experience. And there's still a lot of done-for-you things. It's just very streamlined, you're efficient. And the way in which you do the work is the same every single time for yeah. every single client. So why do I think that's a good place to start? I actually don't think it's a good place to start for most okay. people. I think it's the best place to start removing yourself as the owner from a lot of the day-to-day. -day. I see a lot of people try to jump into selling a productized service that have no experience. And so I did a lot of different things in the beginning, like most service providers, freelancers, agency owners, like jack of all trades. Client says, hey, do you also do this? Yes. And we did that. And like, so, you know, so in lies like the, the dilemma of most service providers, but like, but through the early trials of doing a variety of things, I learned what we were good at. I learned what I enjoyed doing. I learned what people valued and what they'd pay a premium for. And I also learned the stuff that I just didn't want to ever be involved with again. And so because of the experience of doing everything, I was informed to make a decision on simplifying my business so that I, it could scale. And that was really like the, the standardization of packages, which then became like more a, like a systemized process to the point where I could say, Hey, when I follow this process, this is the sort of outcome that happens almost every single time yeah. to then 
put the label on the box to then make it a product. Yeah. So for me, it was like we were stuck personally around like we like we were flatlined around like uh, 40, 50 K a month. We'd have like a 60 or 80 K month, but we'd always kind of bump back down to that like 50 K a month mark. And we just felt like we were working nights and weekends and we had some good healthy revenue with with good, good client names. But it was like fighting fire drills every single day. And wow. when we flipped it to, oh my God, every single person that comes to us at some point really just wants a webinar funnel. And we got really good at making webinar funnels. Like that became the only way to get into working with us. It's like, mm. if you want a webinar funnel, whether it's live or evergreen, doesn't matter. Like we know exactly what you need. We know how many emails you send before the webinar, how many after the no-show sequence. Like we dialed in that process to the point where we were able to have a kickoff call. And upon receiving the information from a client, deliver it in seven business days, like flat, turn around. Like that's when it's done, you have it. But it, that took a while of figuring all of that out. Sure. And so, but that allowed us to know who to say yes to, who to say no to, and find the repeatability of, we just got every, every new client, we got better and more efficient, thus more profitable. And so that's what got us to a uh, consistent six-figure months. It's yeah. just like the repeatability of that. So long story short, I don't think it's great to start there, but like if I feel like if you've been plateaued and for most of our clients, it seems to happen somewhere between like 30 and 60K. Although I do see people that are over a million that have the same issue. Like right. they come in and it's like, oh, like they're bumping up against this. And one of their reasons for doing so is they don't want to be custom and they, they don't want a huge team. That's where I think our pathway has worked well for, mm. for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So if that makes um, sense. Yeah. I, I liked that you said something there about how this is not the place to start out. You have to really know yeah. what you're good at first. For sure. And otherwise, what are you scaling? Exactly. Yeah. Like if you jump into just like, oh, I'm going to start from scratch and I'm going to be like the funnel building agency and you've never built a funnel and or don't even know if you like funnels or what type of person needs a funnel. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of limiting. Like, are you doing it because it feels and seems like it's like, it, it almost feels like if you're jumping into it, you're more likely doing it as a biz op than it is like, this is a fit. Like we loved and still do marketing automation and systems and workflows. Like we geek, like I geek out on it to this day. Like if I can figure out how to automate and systematize someone's business, I would do that for free. It's just fascinating to me. And, but I didn't know that until I was literally knees deep in a bunch of, you know, poo poo doing a lot of those pieces of that, that I didn't like to say, Oh, these are the things that we should avoid kind of getting ourselves stuck into because it's not fun. It's not profitable. It's like commoditized. Yeah. Like we're just looked at as, as labor. The analogy that I always use, which may or may not be relevant to some folks is, um, and actually a prospect said this to me was he gave me the analogy of NASCAR for the record. Don't follow NASCAR. I don't really <laughs> know anything about NASCAR, but the analogy I do understand. He's like, the car, obviously a lot of money, very, you know, needs to be optimized. But like, there's a guy that built the engine for that vehicle. 
that is not the same guy that jumps over the wall during the race and changes the tires and wipes the windshield and does that like the pit crew. And we were engine builders and pit crew under one roof. And all the stuff that we didn't like was pit crew. It was the stuff that they should have had someone in-house doing, like pulling reports, scheduling emails, like that sort of admin of their automation tool. And I was like, we like building these engines that create this outcome for people. And so I feel like a lot of our clients, and I think agencies probably can resonate this with like, we take on this stuff, scope creep, scope seep, that puts us in the pit crew role that starts getting us treated like hourly work, which is commoditized, you know, the internal staff, and they, they value your expertise and opinion less and less over time. Whereas if you've been, if you can position yourself as the engine builder, you can charge a premium, like you're more valued because you know how to do this unique thing. And that is kind of how I see what we were able to, how, how we were able to make the shift to only working on the stuff that we enjoyed. And that was, I think the true value to the client. Hmm. Yeah, got it. So you mentioned outcome. How do you define outcome? Give me an example of that. Yeah. So, I mean, for a lot of clients is different. I think when we talk to, there's only a couple of real outcomes. There's like health, wealth, you know, relationship, like the categories, like, so are you helping them make more money, have a better life, like less stress? Like there needs to be some measurable thing that I think can come out of the exchange. I think there can be deliverables to that. Our mutual friend, I believe at some point you've maybe had him on the show, Brad Martinow from Six Division. He's like, you can totally sell time, just don't sell it as time. And so like to me, it's like, okay, when they have this webinar funnel, they have this system that will convert a certain percentage of the people that they put on there every single month into clients. So that's more money. With the onboarding campaigns that a lot of our clients install, like they will onboard clients more efficiently in less time with less headache. And so like there's things that we can look at from KPIs that will say, hey, we've achieved this by doing this project together mm -hmm. or doing this thing together. Whereas it's like, I see a lot of the commoditized stuff where it's like, oh, we're just going to post your... will be distribution for your, your social media content. It's like, yeah. but why does someone want that? Like, even if that's what you're doing, figure out a way to the point where you can show the client that it's increasing their followers or building an email list or making them more money or getting them more traffic because those things an owner can tie to more value to than sure. someone's just using their time to repost social media content right like technology can do that right and so i think it needs to be a tangible something that they can look at and be like yeah there's there's value to this I kind of equate it to all of the people that talk about value-based pricing. Like if you're doing value-based pricing, like you have, you understand that the thing you do creates a certain amount of value for them, like understand why that is. And that's what the outcome should be tied to. <laughs> like that's what the right. transformation is, the result of the project. Yeah, no, I love that. And, you know, I think what you're describing too, you know, technology can do it. That's like the ultimate commoditized. And I think that, you, we're, we're seeing increases in technology. Offshoring has been a big thing over the past five years. And you can't just get by being that local Joe who's turning the crank and saying, we're going to post this for you. Yeah. 
Agreed. And find somebody in the Philippines to do that for you for five bucks an hour. Yes. And so <laughs> there's something that I want to bring up that might be like a good transition, but maybe like, how do you feel about this? But like this concept of, we call it the alt agency, like came from what I believe and what I've seen happening that productization is, is a piece of a piece of this. But like, I think now more than ever, the lines between agency, consultancy, throw in e-learning, like are the blurriest that they've ever been. Mm. And when we talk about, oh, you should be, you should be enabling and leveraging technology to better serve your clients. To me, it's the same thing as, well, you should be leveraging coaching or leveraging creating curriculum and e-learning inside of your agency to better serve and support and add value to your clients. And so it's like the way that some of us look at tech, I think we need to look at creating content, curriculum, coursework, if you will, offer up coaching and consulting. If you're historically a done for you provider, like those are all things that can, can, can add additional value to your client that also will add leverage, profitability, and revenue streams to your own business. Again, in the right order, in sequence, my caveat there, it doesn't mean just like have all the things. But Blair Enns, the guy who wrote Win Without Pitching, wrote this article. I'll get it to you to put in the show notes. And it was some, to paraphrase, it was like, is the, the agency label, like, are you being suffocated by the agency label? Mm. Is your business being suffocated? And um, when I remember when I first interacted with him and I talked about kind of this concept of alt agency, like it's the blending of these things, he was very, it's, he was very much against it. In the comments of a video where I shared this, he was like saying certain things about how like he didn't align with it. Years later, this was 2019, he just wrote this article this year. And the whole premise is, if, you've, if you're not the sub 30 crowd and you have some gray hairs and you've been in the game for a minute, like agency used to mean like you are this full service, almost outsourced department to a big brand. Usually that brand is paying north of six figures annual and you're doing a lot of different things and there's a lot of people involved. Like the Ogilvy's, the, you know, the Baines, the McKinsey's, the, you know, I was at Tracy Locke, which is a part of Omnicom. Like that was like, there's project managers, there's post-production, there's, you know, there's international work, there's in-store, there's, you know, TV, there's, you're everything. And over the years, I think that has like, you were an, you know, the agency of record, right? And most of the, those companies, like they serve maybe 20 clients a year. Their roster is small, yet they're doing like multi-millions, some billions of dollars a year through a very few number of clients. And so that translated to somewhere $2,000 a month retainers where you do everything for small to medium sized businesses and you're drowning at like 20 clients, right? And you're not making the money. And the point of the article was the traditional agency as we know it, those don't really exist anymore outside of the big ones that have been around forever we see these different styles of, of agencies now and they're, they're specialized around a, a specific vertical or even a discipline. And then he even brought up like Alex Hormozzi, who fundamentally, in my opinion, was what an alt agency embodies, which was he was going around the country one-on-one -on -one helping gyms fill their gym in 30 days. 
we will fill your gym with memberships in 30 days. And he had a, a process in how he did it. His vehicle was this six week challenge and he knew how to run ads for it. He knew how to sell it. He taught that whole system to gyms. He's, he didn't want to travel around the country because that was exhausting. And so he started showing people how to do it using his assets that he was using himself. That's where it started becoming licensing and e-learning. And he had a $16,000 offer. And in 16 weeks, you will, we will fill your gym with one acquisition, this one acquisition vehicle using the six-week thing. Oh my God, your gym is full. It's broken. You need people. Let's keep working together. And we'll show you how to scale it, operationalize it, continue to run ads, do other promotions because you can't just run the six-week promotion all the time. Like that'll fatigue. Like how do you remove yourself from the day-to-day operations? And they had a back-end offer that was three years for 40 plus grand a year. And they barely lost clients. Mm. And it's like, to me that like, you're he was selling the engine. We have this engine that fills your gym. Oh my God, now you need to like, you have a business. Let's let's optimize this thing in this other offer, which is fundamentally like I think a lot of what you see in the high ticket coaching, high ticket consulting is like deliver an outcome. The outcome creates a problem. Let's fix the ongoing problem that we just created. That isn't to, to me. That is an agency. Like no. it is an alternative form of it. I probably wouldn't use the word agency, hence I use alt agency. But like it's a firm. It's a service business. Right. Right. He's using combination of, of curriculum. They're licensing it out. Like the monetization model is different. It's super niche. And like what they help them achieve is very specific. They had a very specific criteria of who they helped. Whereas like traditional agencies, like, I mean, we worked with Pepsi. We worked with Unilever. We worked with beer companies. Like we worked with like consumer packaged goods that ranged, you know, ranged the gamut or ran the gamut. And so I think a lot of people still find the traditional model. We get to be creative and custom for every single client and solve these unique problems. But that very, I think that's just continuing to go away. And from what I know about you, you still help people streamline how they do the work. They're not everything to everybody. They're using tech. There's still some customization. It might just not be like, oh, or as niche or licensing or creating curriculum and and leaning into the e-learning like we do, but like you're still helping them focus. So there's, I think there's multiple ways or models, so to speak now that you either skew towards tech enabled, you skew a little bit more towards strategy or a certain type of implementation or a type of platform discipline. And one's not necessarily better than the other. It's like, I think people are suited for certain ones and some Mm -hmm. are going to be more able to scale and probably carry more value if you're trying to sell than others. But like, there's just different ways to run it now. And I think it's time that we need to like, look at these different ways as it's up to you. Like what's best for you? I'll get off my, my... Hey, no, no, this is exactly why I I wanted you to come on the podcast because you have a different way that that you're scaling. And the, and the thing is, is that the kinds of people that come to us that aren't a good fit are a good fit for you and vice versa. I mean, you actually just sent us over a a client that we just started working with and, uh, you know, she's absolutely delightful working with clients that are, that, you know, these are multi-million dollar contracts in some, in some cases. And, and, and a lot of our clients, they have 
a business with a lot of custom type of, their services are, are very custom. And mm-hmm. doing an e-learning type of experience, it, 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 it just is not what would be aligned with what they're doing. Right. But at the same time, I mean, at some point they might actually want to go and say, well, I've got this whole agency all dialed in. It's hands off. Yeah. We've jacked up the prices. We've been able to, to, to systematize this to, and we've been able to exit out of this. Now I want to go do some coaching. Actually, a lot of our clients yeah. get to that space too, where they're like, I've learned so much, especially after you probably experienced this too with some of your clients and they, they go through yeah. this experience of like totally overhauling their business. I mean, especially in the, the multi seven figure space where they've got a lot, they've got a lot of experience. They may be doing this for 20 years and saying, this is really fun. We're making good money from this. Now, what's my next adventure? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think like, and I'm speaking very loosely on this person because I don't know them entirely, but like Hawk Media, like is a a big agency that I've heard of that does media buying, I believe. Like he wrote a book. That's intellectual property. And while it's a low ticket product, that is a product. That is another revenue stream that while for him, it's more probably a lead generation play, like they have a way in which they do stuff just like you and I do. And like, at some point those are monetizable. When I was working at Cabela's, we, and I was leading the mobile marketing department, we, we hired uh, two different external agencies and uh, boutique consultants to help us build out the new mobile application. And they had a fee for the, you know, line items for the strategy, the planning, the, the build out, we said to them, like, look, as a part of this project somewhere, we want you to teach us your agile development process that you're moving us through as we build this app so that we can run this internally without you afterwards. And they were like, yeah, line item. <laughs> like, and I think that's extremely valuable. They extended that relationship with us for another six to 12 months just because they were teaching our team how to run it in-house. Like, yes, they lose us six to eight months later, but like at some point, I think, and I don't know if your clients experience this, like depending upon your skill set, there's always going to be that time where we got to, we want to bring it in-house because they're more agile, they're more nimble. And again, it's not every discipline, but like that's an opportunity for you. Like if you have the process you can make that transition super seamless and it's going to be super profitable for you to do it because you're not the labor. Like that's the most intensive part. Like you're just guiding them now. Like it's advisory, it's consulting. And I think a lot of people have the knowledge around their discipline that their clients could be paying for as a separate line item that right now they're just giving it away for free. Oh, totally. Could create you know, new lines of business. And so thinking like that is, I think, another kind of piece of like this, this mentality of being an alt agency. Like there's all these things that we just used to give away as a part of the retainer that should be billed separately and are different things. And it's not like you get, you get all of it at once. Hmm. So yeah, to your point, that might be coaching. It might be advisory. It might be training. There's probably a, tons of opportunity for training inside of, you know, these companies. So, yeah, well, I wanted to just, I wanted to have you on the podcast because I know, first of all, there's a lot of people who are listening to our podcast who aren't, aren't a fit yet for the services that we do. And maybe they will never be a fit They're They might be too small or they just really, maybe they're, they're happy with having a half million dollar company for the rest of their life. And that, that is totally cool. Or, or maybe they just, 
just for whatever reason to have a different different perspective and like they're listening to what you're what you're saying and saying this is exactly the kind of kind of agency I want to have. So I know you work with companies as is as low as in the in the low six figures, right? On up to Yeah. Basically our most of our clients kind of in the entry point is six figure low six figures a year, hundred K a year. We'll, we're, we feel comfortable bringing people up to, you know, probably like one to two. That's where like the people that we've been, you know, passing off to you are usually like above that. I think the other thing that we talked about, and again, some people love your ethos like I do. I have zero interest in working with companies of a certain size that have procurement and like have to work through big legal teams and have long sales cycles. Like I've been there, done that, not interested. Maybe you're not interested either. Like I know some of your clients are like, they work with big contracts, right? Like the one that we, you know, handed off, it was like a multi-million dollar contract for like 18 months. It's like, I feel like you are really dialed at that. I'm like, Hey, let's, let's hit those like entrepreneurial businesses, small, small businesses. Cause that's like the type of pe- the people that we also enjoy working with, I think is like just kind of another characteristic that I've noticed like differentiates us a little bit, but yeah, I mean, again, yeah. like the hands-off mentality, super agree, you know, your whole, <laughs> I mean, on your website, you have like your different phases. I'm like, yep, 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 yep. yep. Like get five to 10 hours a week back. Yep. Like those are all the, like similar <laughs> things it looks different for the size and like your desire on how big you're looking to get. A lot of our clients, while they want to get to, they're like, they want to get to seven figures. Like it's not the driving motivation. They're like, I'm just, I just don't want to be the bottleneck anymore. Like if I had more profit and more freedom, I'll worry about if I want to scale later because I would not want to scale the way it is right now. Like that's like a lot of incoming. And I, and I totally get that because that actually used to be our market. And then what we've found is, and actually, I mean, back when we, we found more ways to partner together recently, actually, because we realized like, wow, we're both like found our lanes and like, we're both (laughs) have a similar ethos about being hands off the freedom that comes with it, how, how you start getting more, more money for the amount of time that you're spending. And, but at the same time, selling an outcome, right. And it's, it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not about this typical same agency model that you didn't say this, I'll say it's broken. That old agency business model is broken. Yeah. And it's from a different world. It's just out, it's just outdated, right? Like, I mean, the people that try to have the full service retainer, but charge 3k a month or whatever, it'll backfire. Like, it's just not it. There's too much operational drag with not enough margin for you to, to hit the numbers that you want. The traditional model was like designed for big companies. Something else I want to point out too, that when you're working companies that size, low six figures on up, even up to seven figures, like that's like the biggest, one of the biggest problems is you're balancing operational issues and also sales issues. And you're actually going through this, this pit of death phase that we talk about in our book, where that's a really, really hard phase to go through. It's a painful one. You're, you being able to you and your team being able to support them on the operational front and on the sales front and putting the offers in place, the sales and the marketing, all that, that takes a lot of skill. And that's why I wanted you to be on this podcast. Cause like, if like people come to us and we're there too early and I'm like, you you need, I want to send them to someone who's going to going to treat them well. And it's going to give, going to give them the right thing because otherwise they're going to go to the salesperson and salesperson is going to tell them what's one thing. The marketing person is going to tell them this other person, the the systems person is going to tell them something that's going to actually hurt their sales. And if you don't look at it holistically, you're just going to ruin your business. Yeah. 
I agree with that. I think that it's the hardest part that we deal with. And like, it's just kind of a nature of the the process and the, and like, like that you said that pit, I don't know, the pit of despair, what you called it, but like <laughs> the, when you commit to specializing, right? Like you want to start getting some traction, which likely will have most people working harder than they've ever worked before in their life because they're kind of like maintaining, we'll call it legacy clients and operations while selling the new future of their business. And then you reach this point where you actually do have to let go of the old and like commit to starting to say no to all of those old types of clients, which is the hardest thing because you literally are unlearning everything that you taught and that you thought were to be true, which is like really messes with people's minds. And also sometimes temporarily means you go backwards in revenue and that hits the ego on a lot of people, uh, myself included. And like, it's difficult to deal with that. And I think a lot of people actually get, that's where they get stuck. And it's, you know, sometimes we can't help them because they just won't get out of their own way. Like they, they're unwilling to ego, take a step back to then like leap forward because of what it'll look like. And then they stay in that weird, vicious balancing act forever until they just give up and disappear. And so, yeah, it does suck. I'd say that's the con, like, especially if you're making this decision early, whereas the reason why I'm stoked that we can now hand people to you at like this higher level is we've had people that we can help like with our process, but they just come with so much baggage. Like the teams are big, like very stuck in their own ways. And it like, it feels like turning the Titanic the way that we operate that I just don't think I operate that way. And to know that like, there's someone like you that like knows how to like navigate that for people. Like it's like, it's almost the exact same situation, but it probably feels very similar for both of these people. It's just, they're totally different stages, (laughs) which is, I think just the unique part about our market. Like I talk to friends that like work with fitness people and other industries where agencies are not their client. And like, nobody understands that like a person who's at 30K a month and a million a year could actually be experiencing the exact same thing and need almost the exact same solution. (laughs) But like, there's still these little nuanced differences. It's fascinating to me. We're, We're a unique breed. You know, and, and here's the other thing too, is like, and you're, you're a perfect example of what we talk about with, you know, that like our power of ones, one painful problem, one, yeah, one painful problem, one specific client type and one outcome. And yep. you have chosen as uh, your client type, both of our client types are similar, but yours is smaller. Ours is larger. So the, 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 the problem on the, the high level problem is the same, but the nuance of it is different. So yeah. people listening to what you're talking about, they're going to say, oh, that's, that's exactly what they're going, what's going on and vice versa. If I came in and, and spoke on your podcast and your, your YouTube yeah. channel, it, because it's like, it's a, it's a slightly different nuance, but that's the, that's how you get to totally own the race course. Mm-hmm. All right. James Ramco, I think you're, are you friends with James Ramco too? I don't, I actually don't know him personally, but I follow his stuff and I have friends that have worked with him. Yeah. I just, I was listening to his podcast yesterday and he's like talking about when grace course, I'm going to give him credit for that. It's a great thing. You guys should know each other. You'd like each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe we'll have to make an introduction after this and point out <laughs> to the, to the, this podcast. But, but and then and here's the thing is I, there was, there was a teaching moment. I wanted to, I really wanted to point out something here because this is like w- when you actually 
decide to niche down and narrow down. That's what allows you to be able to create partnerships in your industry mm -hmm. and be able to look mm -hmm. at the whole journey that your clients experience. And then you can find people who are before people are after, and then you, you create this, this, this amazing network. And we have this whole network of, of other service providers that help consulting companies and agencies that we can make referrals to. And that mm -hmm. we should, we have them on our podcast. And I can, I can very confidently say, Greg is an awesome guy. His team is great. He'll take care of you. And I can feel confident saying that. And that's what allows you to be able to have like our, our main lead channel. Like we do a lot of stuff for our marketing, but one of our biggest things that is, is people who come from our partners who know mm. us and understand our process. Yeah. And that is like one of the best ways to be able to grow because it's, totally. it's very, it, you don't have to rely on um, advertising. You don't have to rely on, you know, the, the algorithm of SEO. Not, I'm not saying any of those things are bad, right, but right. like, it's like the old school marketing that will never die. Yeah. And to, to pull a quote from, from Hormozy, I think people, you know, I, I do it too. Like I joke, like, well, if you only rely on referrals, yes, if you only rely on referrals, that's, that could be bad in that it's unpredictable, but Referrals is the only vehicle, if you will, that is like quadratic in like in nature. Like you could refer four people, those four people could refer four people. I can run an ad and I can get, you know, 3x, 5x, but like that's so different than like one person referring four, four referring another four. Like it's just it can really compound. And so as you get bigger, referrals is super powerful and also costs you know, a lot less in most cases. So having those partners, like you said, I think that before, even during and after like what you, your agency focuses on is a great place to start from a partner perspective. No, I, I love that. And you know, that the thing about referrals is that if you sit around passively waiting for referrals, that's not a very good strategy. That's no strategy. That's yeah. just sitting there yeah, waiting. Yeah. Even if you do great work, you're still not going to, you still will only get, I mean, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. Yeah. But you're <laughs> you're not going to be getting the, the the ongoing lead channel from it. But if you take a very intentional strategy, and and I'm actually going to be having Steve Gordon on our podcast. Um, he came and spoke to our audience, our, our our client group this last week, mm. and we we went through a whole exercise on how do you be able to use leverage resources to be able to generate a lot more referrals from partnerships from your existing teams. And that are, and the book also is, is a big thing that we're going to be doing with that as well. I love that. Yeah. So where can people find you, Greg? Yeah. So I'd say if you are liking what we've been talking about, I have a YouTube channel. The easiest way to get there outside of going to YouTube and searching my name is just go to gregsvideos.com. It'll redirect you to the YouTube channel. New videos every single week, all about exactly what we were talking about. I draw my iPad a lot, break down systems for, you know, those people that are kind of, you know, below a million, million and a half that are looking to kind of productize and package up their expertise. Sweet. That's great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Greg. It's such a great conversation. And thanks for being a good sport with our, our banter back and forth. Oh, I love it. I can't wait to have you on our show. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hands Off CEO with Mandy Ellison. If you want to work less and make more, make sure you subscribe and get a new episode every week and help spread the word by leaving a review.